Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with Christy Corey. While working for a lower socioeconomic community school as a young teacher, Christy Corey learned early on to inspire others to learn, to have empathy, and to achieve success together. She is driven by the belief, if success and growth are to be continually realized, we must work together. Christy believes that as a leader, she must continually realize growth and provide support to others on the same path. This has not always been a peaceful and calm path. However, her drive to ensure equitable educational opportunities allows her to hold steady and stay the course. Anyone can hold the helm when the sea is calm. Many districts across the U.S. and abroad have hired Christie to ensure coaching techniques and literacy practices were in place in all classrooms throughout the district. While this work was extraordinarily fulfilling, it was always tremendously challenging to inspire educators to collaboratively move to the next step in instructional equity. She consistently teams with educators to problem-solve, evolve instructional practices to meet students' needs and build district infrastructure to ensure the strategies developed will continue to be in place long after her departure. Corey's training and leadership style have been influenced by numerous individuals, researchers, and authors. Her travels continually expand her horizons to deepen her knowledge base and understanding of the human condition. After all, we all want to feel as if our lives have meaning, and working together directly impacts one's ability to recognize an individual's ability and purpose. Without the support of others, the recognition of others, and the guidance of others, our growth and impact will ultimately never realize full potential. Corey recognizes how we need each other and her work continuously supports collaborative learning, growing, and understanding. Without this intentionally focused collaborative spirit, we are less powerful in our endeavors. If the path is challenging, keep striving as one. So welcome, Christy Corey. How are you? I am well. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. We're so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I certainly am. Okay, great. So Christy, can you tell us a bit about what you do now and your leadership journey? 
Yes, currently I'm working with schools across the nation and primarily in California and Colorado, uh, Arizona, in ensuring that all boys and girls can read. That's a great goal. Yes, it, it's a righteous goal. Yes. Um, it oftentimes feels as if it's an arduous goal, but you know that it's the right thing to do every day. So you get up and you do it again. Mm-hmm. I'm working with teachers. I'm working with administrators. And while I'm helping teachers recognize those components that work well in the classrooms with their collective group. I'm also helping support the administrators to help support the teachers. I read a book years ago called, If You Don't Feed the Teachers, They Will Eat the Children. And (laughs) well, ultimately what you need to do is ensure that your teachers feel safe enough to attempt to try new things, but also have the guidance and support that they might need to help them try those new things, try out those nuances within their instruction that are leading them down the proper path instead of getting halfway through the journey and recognizing that's not what helps meet the needs of children. So it's, I think it's important in every aspect of leadership that leaders make their colleagues feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, what I'm doing is possibly throwing out some new ideas that don't feel so safe to change mid-year or change mid-semester. And it's scary because you've got so much on you as an educator every single day And now you've got an individual or group of individuals saying, try this new thing. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't always feel so great. So you got to make sure that people feel safe. They know that we're all in this together and we're ensuring that we're doing this for the right reasons. And that's that kids are always the focus. That's the right reason. Mm-hmm. Now, are you an independent contractor? That's a long story. How long do we have, Lily? But <laughs> here's the short version. Okay. I um, am working for a billionaire philanthropist in California. And he had me working for him part time in doing this type of work I just described for you. This is immediately after I left the classroom. So A, I was learning how to travel. B, I was learning how to follow the guidelines of what a researcher wants you to do in a particular school district and have the school district pulling on you constantly to say, come over here, do it over here, do that over here, do that. But that's not what the researcher's asking me to do. Mm -hmm. And so I continued to try to find that balance. And eventually that researcher said he was going to pull his funds from the district for a litany of reasons. And the school district said, well, will you please stay? And that was Compton School District. And I was delighted to stay. I wanted to stay. I I felt like I was in the right place every single day. I felt like there was a purpose for what I was doing. And I loved the people. I loved my teachers. I loved the boys and girls. I just felt like it was the right place to be. But I didn't know how to write a proposal. I didn't know how to speak to a board. I didn't know how to do the kinds of things that would ensure that I could get a contract with a district. And so the assistant superintendent, they called her deputy superintendent, I believe was what her title, LaVon Johnson taught me how to write a proposal, taught me how Mm -hmm. to be able to do the things technically that one needed to do to be able to have a contract in a school district And that was when I decided to start my own firm, because what I intended when I first left Alabama, if you can hear that in my voice, a little bit, a little bit, (laughs) and came to Colorado was to become a principal. I had administrative credential and I thought I would just move out here, become a principal of a tiny little school on the side of a mountain and live here happily ever after. So, you know, the saying though, right? Um, What is the saying? A man plans and God laughs. Very true. That's a coffee cup, Lily. It really is. 
So um, I got out here and then two weeks after was when I started working for this gentleman. So that was the beginning of the company and then various and sundry activities have pulled me in different ways throughout the years. But I continue to come back to the work that I know is the right work and the most supportive way that I can help educators help kids. That's just the straight up truth. Okay. And I did that rather quickly. I'm kind of proud of myself. Yes, how quick yes. That <laughs> okay. So is this practice-based coaching or is it leadership coaching or is it both? It's all of the above. So if a district hires me to come in and say, hey, we've got this program or we need help with these standards and it's literacy based, the way that I would best support most likely your staff is to take a look at the body of evidence, including the data where you're feeling like they're not scoring where you'd want them to score and ascertain as a collective group, Mm -hmm. not as an outside consultant, but a collective group ascertain what is the root cause analysis of that score or that low achievement and then help develop a plan based on what we know works in the classroom and in a school district and then discuss the action steps. And that's where the training would come in, where I would help support what those action steps look like, felt like as they were being implemented. And that is the kind of work, not from top down, Mm-hmm. but from all of us working together to ascertain what it is that's wrong and what we can do about it and what that really looks like versus just here's an article, read it now implement. And so that's what I would do to assist you mm-hmm. as a superintendent in a school district that wants to have higher achievement, making sure that all boys and girls can transfer the knowledge that we've learned in the classroom. And I think that's really the goal of education as a whole is making sure that Yes, the test scores are important. Yes, we want to be able to show those summative scores, but ultimately, how are kids able to transfer the learning from one content to the next? And that's what I'd help your school district, help your teachers, help your principals, help assist the teachers in doing every day. And I'm assuming that it's not a cookie cutter kind of situation. Every school is different. Every Every school is different. Yes. Just like every every classroom. Right. Just like every Just like every student. You're right, Lily. So... That is one of the things that I pride myself and my company on doing is that we are able to align our work with the needs of the district. And that occurs in in every single contract. I don't have any cookie cutter presentations that I use for every single district, because if, in fact, I were to do that, I would not have achievement in the school districts that I work in because it wouldn't meet the individual and collective needs. Now, what's the name of your company? Christy Corey Consulting. So if anybody wanted to reach out to me, it's easy to email me at christycoreyconsulting at gmail.com. So Christy? Corey, K-H-O-U-R-Y. Great. Thank you so much. All right. So how would you describe your leadership style? I believe primarily uh, what I do and what my goal to do every day is to be collaborative. You can't drag a horse to water and make him drink. And these are not horses. These are teachers. And these are administrators who are being pulled in so many different ways that you've got to figure out a way to make everybody get on Jim Collins, the right seats of the bus and where they're comfortable and they're, they feel like what they're doing is meaningful. So a collaborative style is what my goal is frequently. Tell us which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why. Well, Sinek probably gives out the best quotes where he talks about making individuals feel safe. And 
one way to do that is to demonstrate that they are very important to you, that every employee, every colleague, every individual is extremely important to you. And that's why he shares, you know, how leaders eat last when he was interviewing the military officers that do not go into the cafeteria first. They allow the servicemen to go in before them. And I think that that not only speaks a great deal, but it's always demonstrating who really is the most important and why. Because when you have a team that are working with you, many times you may be driving or systematically uh, helping support And these individuals are out every day with their sleeves rolled up doing some of the work that you may be devising, planning, and having those individuals be able to physically be in different places where you can't be in all those places every single day. And they need to know that they're supported, that they are safe when they have a problem that they can share and have someone that they can feel as a mentor or a supportive colleague to help get them through those tough times every day is just not an easy path, which, you know, goes to the next quote, which is, and I'm trying to see if I got this absolutely perfect. It's okay. You're safe. It doesn't have well, to be perfect. You know, if every sea was calm, can't, let me pull it up. I, let okay. me read it okay. verbatim. It's about speaking to the fact that life is tough, yes. <laughs> and, yes, it but is. there's a reason why, you know, hold steady and stay the course anyone can hold the helm when the sea is calm. That's serious. And it's true. It's just so true. And I think my life's work, even though that first instance of walking into a district and being sent there by someone who was paying for everything, and you didn't have to worry about contracts, you just need to go in and do what you could do to help support others and assist others. But what happened was, through the years after that joyful little, hey, you want to come do this, there's been a great deal of waters that were not calm that I had to guide myself as well as others through. And that's easier said than done. But I think that every time you come out of one of those storms, you are stronger, you are smarter, and you have a better ability to know what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing every day. Now, Christy, you've mentioned the word safe a couple of times. Why is that so important to you? And why is it so important to leadership in education? Well, because you don't know, number one, from day to day, whether you have a job or not. Mm -hmm. And in this economy that we have been in since 2008, you need insurance. You need a home. You need food every day. You need to be able to fix that car when that car is broken and not have to worry about whether it's either repair the car so you can get to work or feed the family. So legitimately, we are all concerned daily about whether or not we're going to have the means to be able to take care of ourselves and others. And so safety to me is those types of logistics. But on the other hand, emotionally, we can be in a firm or in a school district that is a roller coaster that is highly dysfunctional. And if we are unsafe or we don't feel supported or we don't feel as if psychologically that we can be able to share our thoughts, we won't do our best work because we're constantly thinking about, should I say this? Should I do this? Right. Should, should I move over here? Should I move over there? Politically, what's the right thing for me to say or do right now? And those types of thoughts prevent us from being our best selves. And when you are working with a group of individuals, 
you need everybody rowing that boat. Right. You can't have people terrified that if they row the wrong way or it slips, that everybody is going to chastise and ostracize. And so you just need to make sure that people psychologically are safe and that their thoughts are valued and everybody knows we're on the same journey. I think that is what really prevents companies and school districts from really moving forward is that lack of feeling of security and safety. Christy, that certainly speaks to what I believe as well. Because as an educator, I want my students to feel safe, right? Because when they feel safe, you create an environment where they're more creative, they're happy. And so a lot of learning occurs. True. And so as a leader, how can I help the people I lead to feel safe? You need to know why you are even the leader. Mm. Why? What is your mission? What is your goal? And you need to know, honestly, if you're going to hire individuals around you, you need to know that not everybody thinks exactly like you do. Yes, that's key. (laughs) Yes, yes. And those nuances of how we think and how we speak and what we say to others, those things that make us who we are, are valuable. Mm -hmm. And so as a leader, you need to know how to value. I think some of the strongest principles that I've ever worked with were individuals that were able to say, I need a talented teacher that can do this on the staff, not just teach the content, but what are some of the other things that that individual is capable of doing or sharing? The character, right? Yes. And then you balance your staff out that way so that we are all very different and we are all able to value each other's differences. And I think that that is what makes a staff extraordinarily powerful because then when you don't know how to do something you know that you've got the ability to go to five other people who can give you thoughts and support and direction right and there's a safety in saying i don't know how to do this yes help me out right that's perfect. thank you so much for that now christy tell us what type of leader are you inspired by and why well the first word that comes to my mind is kind and what's interesting about that question i had to just laugh Um, When I was thinking about this last week, I was demonstrating in a third grade classroom. And in that third grade classroom, the unit theme was about community spirit. And the story that they were reading was about Abraham Lincoln and the kind of leader that he was. And so what we had to do was create a graphic organizer based on what we thought makes a great leader. And, you know, this is a brand new group of kids I've never seen. I've never worked with. And we had an hour together. And I said, I want you to turn to your partner. I want you to discuss, third graders, what you believe a great leader is capable of doing, seeing, being, all of those types of ways in which you believe a leader should be. I want you to talk about that. And those boys and girls turned to me and I said, just yell it out at me. Everybody, tell me which partner should yell it out. One, two, three, go. And I heard kind and supportive. Wow, from third graders. Yes. Perfect. So one kid did say he needs to be organized. I said, that is a very true statement. I appreciate that. I'm going to add that to the graphic organizer. I agree. I agree. But kind and supportive. Mm. Mm. So if they get it, why don't some others that are driving large institutions get that? You get more bang for your buck. You know, what's the Southern saying? Try a little sugar. You'll get more than with vinegar. Right. I have those questions too, which is why I started this podcast so that we can all grow together. But I really believe that a lot of us are stuck in our past, which is why we need help with leadership. We need help in moving past our past. 
So we can learn a lot from third graders. It's very true. They've got a lot of good ideas and, and they have a lot of hope. Yes. And they don't have that burden of their past Mm -hmm. where they have to dig through those bad feelings or those fears. Mm -hmm. Many times they don't know to be afraid. That's why they yell out and say what they think. They don't know that, hey, that might not be politically correct. I don't care. This is what I think. (laughs) She asked me, right? (laughs) Yeah. I told her. Yeah. So what's the best advice you've ever received? Stop worrying. It's like worrying is the same thing as being in a rocking chair. You're going to do it all day and you're going to be in the same place that you started. It's that simple. I think it's very simply said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when you are concerned or afraid or just bogged down by life, you've got to just learn how to L-I-G, let it go. And it's a lot easier said than done, but then you have to think about where you want to be. Do I want this to keep dragging me down or do I want to be a better person tomorrow? And I think that that's what you got to focus on. So what are the things I need to do to get to where I want to be? Because I'm not getting there by worrying about who said, who thought, what I did or did not do. Regret is a really horrible thing to have happen to an individual because you can do nothing about the past. There's not one thing you can do about it. So don't worry. And while I was going through a time where I was worrying about everything, and I I kept hearing this same message from many different people, it wasn't just one individual, I had to just pray. And I knew better than to go away from the Bible anyway, Mm -hmm. but I had to go back and I had to read the scripture and and remember what we're being told. There's nothing that that we need to worry about. It's all being taken care of. Mm But when you're in that human body of yours and that human brain of yours, you have to remember the spiritual you and you have to remember there's a reason for why everything is happening. Mm -hmm. But it's just really hard to not worry, to go back to your spiritual self. It's really hard to do that when you're in your human brain thinking about what's wrong and what you didn't do. Mm -hmm. So, Christy, you are very self-expressed. Do you have a coach? I did have a coach. Actually, when I was going through one of the most challenging times in my life, my neighbor bought me a coach. Yeah. And he said, I've got a life coach for you. And, oh, okay. I don't really know what that means. Yay, I think. (laughs) And the first conversation she and I had, she said to me, so I know you're sitting there every night because I was crying. Mm -hmm. I was crying a lot. Mm -hmm. I know you're sitting there every night drinking and smoking Mm -hmm. and And I was like, well, no, I'm trying to devise a plan. I am not wallowing. I said, I'm crying because I'm so distraught, but I'm not bogged down in anything. And and I said, and I don't sit around and smoke and drink. That's not who I am. So she put me off. She just, she's never met me. She doesn't know me. But what I took from that was, if you're going to coach people, you need to listen to what their needs are. You need to listen to what's really going on before you make any judgments because you're contributing to the drama. Perfect, yes. (laughs) So what I learned from her was, you know, what I didn't want to do with people. When you encounter things like that, that's certainly how you can turn it around and look at the kind of coach you do not want to be. And And she had a lot of strengths. Right. You know, she did, but she didn't use the right technique with me. And Mm -hmm. so I enjoyed speaking with her, but it taught me a lesson about what not to do, like you just said. Great. Thank you so much. So, Christy, what does it mean to you to have a good team and how would you build one? Well, everybody knows 
what the expectation is. And when you hire people, they have to know what it is that they can do and what you're looking for and what their capacity is. Because here's the truth. We can be creative, Lily. We can be powerful individuals, but we've all got a limit. We just do. We're human beings. We're not super people. So you need to know where your limits are. I know what it is that I need to talk to teachers about instructionally. And I know there are some things that I don't, those need to be other experts that are able to have that conversation. So for example, with the people that work with me, I've got an individual who is a community um, focused individual. And that's primarily the parent liaison. I've got an individual that works with me that is currently an assistant superintendent in a state department. And so that individual is the one when I have needs for superintendents to come in and work with district office staff. And then I have another individual that's a science and math person. And so together we make a really good team. We can go in and speak with a district office about whatever their needs are, we've got it. You know, we're experts in that particular field and can help support you meet your needs. So I believe that finding out where the individuals are that are going to be the most successful and they know where it is that they fit in and what they want to do to contribute and that they all respect each other and and learn from each other. No one on my team will feel like they are the smartest person sitting in the room, Hmm. me included because we're all learning and growing every day, but we know where our expertise lies. And that's wise. There's that saying, one of us is not as smart as all of us. It's true. So tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life. Again, how much time do we have? We have some time. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Well, you know, after having left my company and worked for a firm, what the firm was asking me to do And what they had hired me to do, they did not communicate with the district that did not want that. So here I was in the middle, literally middle management, where the firm was saying, you must go in and do X, Y, and Z. And I would go to the school district superintendent, assistant superintendents, directors of curriculum, and say, okay, so we're going to sit down and work with these. We don't want that. Mm. Well, that's what's in this contract, this piece of paper that you signed. But they didn't sign that with me. That was prior to me coming on. Yeah, but that's not what we want. Okay, well, we need to realign the contract. Well, my company nor the district was going to do that. Hmm. So I was constantly being pulled. Did you do X, Y, and Z? Well, that isn't what they wanted. And I would go in and say, so we're going to know it's not what we're going to do. So what can I do to best meet your needs? So I felt as a tremendous failure. Because it did not matter what I did. I could not keep people pleased. I could not keep people focused. And I just felt like I was a pincushion over a period of about two and a half years. Oh, wow. And so, you know, and I could have left. But I felt like I was going to learn this and I was going to get this. That's very noble, I have to tell you. Because a lot of us would have hightailed it out of there. And that would have been a lot easier. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to tell you that. No, no. I appreciate that. Thank you for those kind words. Because I can still feel that whole blanket of failure as I share this story with you coming back on me. Because I was not able to resolve that situation. And it felt terrible. But I kept thinking there was something that I needed to learn, something I needed to do better, something that I was going to be able to help support 
And because the district was in need and the company was in need, what I found out later on is that the company was being sold. And so what they wanted to do over a period of three years was lose work to be able to show a very tight knit amount of organizations that they were working with versus a vast amount. Oh, wow. Now, if someone had told me that, it would have been (laughs) helpful. (laughs) I could have probably uh, done things differently, but no one did. So I kept spinning my wheels trying to succeed. Wow. How frustrating. When you look back at that, how did it shape your life? Well, my best friend was working for a school district during that time. And one of our schools, which again, I didn't know I was supposed to not know, was not following the rules for assessments. And immediately when I found out, I rang all the bells and whistles of everyone. I said, you know, this is not the protocol. This is called cheating. And we're not going to do that. And even if we have been deemed successful in the past, that is not good for children to see this, nor is it accurate in supporting their achievement. So as I had to go through all of the um, organizational representatives to identify next steps, the BFF steps up. She is in charge of assessment for the particular district. And I don't know what I would do without her today. And the kinds of things that we've learned together as a team, the kinds of things that we've been able to do years later have been extraordinary. Had that not happened, I would not have met her. We would not have had the kind of work and the kind of relationships that we've had. And we laugh about it. We love to tell stories about how we met. But it was a a horrific situation while it was occurring. But this is just a perfect example of you just never know why things are the way they are, what you're going to have happened because of those things until it's over with. And it's just the truth. So can you tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped your life and the life of those around you? Well, I had a school district in Southern California that was hiring me through another individual that was in program improvement. And as a part of this intervention team, they were hiring us to just kind of walk through the school and do reports. As I started making some of the suggestions to the assistant superintendent and now the superintendent, I was asked to just come in and not only talk about, but then demonstrate what it was that I was suggesting needed to occur in the district. And part of that was a complete overhaul of how the administrators behaved, how the coaches behaved. And so we set up an entire coaching model throughout the district. And now it's been 10 years later, those coaches are principals. This district is high achieving. They will never go back into program improvement because everybody got on the same page with just a few ideas that I was throwing out from top to bottom. And now I can look back and say that type of work, while it was arduous, while it was challenging, was the most meaningful work of my life. And it is because the superintendent said to me, Christy, will you ensure me that we will have achievement if we do what you say? And if not, will you give us the money back? Will you give us the contract money back? And I said, I, in fact, will insure you if you will insure me that everybody does what I say. If they will do what I'm saying, it will work. And the superintendent laughed and, you know, because you can't ensure that everybody's going to do everything you say. And so what I'm telling you doesn't work. I don't want to take your money. Right. And I'm not going to tell you something that I know won't work. But at the same time, you've got human beings involved. And so I had a teacher in this particular school district who, when I came in and said, 
try this, try that. She said, I'm not going to do it. It's not going to work. You need to get out of my room. I said, would you allow me to come in and do what I'm suggesting with your boys and girls while you watch? Yeah, but it ain't going to work. I said, okay. She lets me come in and she was my strongest advocate. She went to the board when the contract was up for renewal the following year and talked about as a veteran teacher, the kinds of things that she learned, kind of experiences that we had. And, you know, I couldn't have asked for a more eloquent and beautiful representation of what it was that I wanted to have happen for teachers, if not through her voice. And that kind of thing happened in that district again and again and again. So it wasn't an easy path, but it was the right one. It was meaningful. And when I look back on it and I look at and see where they are currently, I know that while there are many people there that don't know my name, Lily, they don't know anything about me, but that work changed that district Mm -hmm. and it is living in those schools years later. And that's probably the thing that I am the most proud of. And you know, Christy, as you're telling me that story, I can picture that teacher because we come across a lot of teachers like that. And it's because so many things have been pushed on people. Mm -hmm. And because you know that as an educator, you were able to connect with her in a different way where she felt safer and she wanted you to demonstrate, you know, put your money where your mouth is. This That's is what right. You're expecting me to do. So you do it and then maybe I'll listen. Right. And, um, yes. and you were able to do that, but you understood that as well, which is powerful because it's why she became your advocate and that speaks volumes. Thank you so much for sharing that. So Christy, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working culture or climate? It, it seems like you've had some experience here. Yes. You know, there's a high school principal that immediately comes to mind that was put in a very difficult situation, in a very dysfunctional situation. And every time he turned around, he feels like someone is just taking a bat and whacking him with it. And I understand that. And so what I've said and what I will continue to say to him or anybody in that situation is don't give up. You must find the right people to surround yourself with and you must move forward. It's the right thing to do for children. It's the right thing to do for you. Mm -hmm. Don't give up. That's great advice. Now, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning now? Well, I think it goes back to believing that you are not the smartest person in the room, and that maybe you are. But if you believe that, and if you live that, then you are open to learning from others. And so I think that lifelong learners are individuals that are open. I think lifelong learners are individuals that are capable of listening, even when it doesn't feel comfortable. And lifelong learners are those who know where their weaknesses are and continue to want to fill that void. I think those are the three things that really kind of guide someone to better themselves every single day, but not just talk about it, but are able to articulate it and do it. Right. And that's not an easy thing to know your weaknesses or your struggles is not an easy thing. But to allow people to speak into your life, someone you feel safe with, right? And and to listen. I mean, you've hit great points there. Now, what have you read that our listeners should read and why? Well, anything, any of John Baldoni's videos, I think, whether you agree with every single thing he says, I think Simon Sinek's uh, two books, Just uh, Ask Why and Leaders Eat Last. Mm. And I think, honestly, if you want to read about some of the greatest leaders, you just need to go back to the Bible Mm -hmm. and see the kinds of things that those disciples went through and how they helped support each other. 
take a look at people like Simon Sinek and Baldoni and Christ. I'm not equating the three, but what I am saying is those types of chapters of learning of what others have been through and how you can help focus. I think those are some of the books that have helped me. I also, you know, will periodically pick up just a very thin educational resource that somewhere in there is constantly going to say, these are the things that you do to help people achieve, i.e., if you're the leader or a part of a team that is moving forward, these are the kinds of things that you need to think about, which goes back to if you don't feed the teachers, they will eat the kids. It goes back to safety, right. making sure that everybody is part of the team in, in a respectful manner. Mm-hmm. So those are the three that I'd focus on. Well, thank you for that. Now, what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities that you have? I'm a list maker. Mm-hmm. Um I've read a lot about how those are not the most successful individuals. What do you mean? Well, I've read some information that says that list makers think small and list makers are notorious for only checking off what's on the list (laughs) versus really having accomplishments. But because I work in various and sundry school districts and I travel for a living, honestly, I couldn't live without my little list. So I know. <laughs> me too. look down your nose at me if you want to. Here's a list. I have a list. Uh, um, I'll write on there that, you know, get more accomplished versus being judged by non-list makers will be on my list. But <laughs> I, I really have to organize my thoughts every single day because there's not one day really that does not go where I'm in a school or in an airport or driving down the highway that things do not go as I planned. And so I'm constantly being thrown out pieces of information that I have to use and memorize. And I believe it's getting worse as I get older Mm -hmm. because I'm having difficulty remembering every part of every single date. I'm with you. I'm with you, Christy. Is it age or is it just because we are more responsible now? I I mean, it's a combo. You know, I understand that we can make lists and they can be as long as a mile if you let them. But I also see the necessity in organizing. I use this program. I don't know if you've used it before. It's called Asana, A-S-A-N-A. Have you heard of it? I want to say that you shared that with me in the past, but I could just be making that up. But don't tell me about it. I love it because... What it does, it allows you to create lists, but also you can divide them into projects, which is really useful. If you put a date on it, it'll remind you and it's free. And so for us list makers, I love Asana. I will have to get on that. I got a few days where I can. So good. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Let me know what you think. I shall. All right. So, you know, many educational leaders and teachers who to me are leaders as well. They lead our children, but many put in long hours. Any advice about maintaining balance? Well, this is about me talking it, but not walking it. So I can tell you all day long about what to think about for balance. And then I don't have any. And I even had someone say to me years ago, a counselor at one of the schools I was working at, she said, you love your work. You love to work. (laughs) And I was like, well, I think you're trying to offend me. I think that you think that's a negative statement. Mm -hmm. And I do, or I wouldn't be doing it. I would find something else to do. So When you're talking about balance, for me, I'm working, I'm working, I'm constantly working, I'm creating new ways of thinking through to help teachers guide or principals think about how to help support teachers. I mean, I'm constantly thinking and devising ways 
Um, not that I can just tell somebody, but that I can hand them something that they can actually use. So mm-hmm. for me, work is not a burden. And the balance is make sure I get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. And everything else in between, I can figure it out. You know, but everybody else that I've ever spoken with talks about you need to go on vacation. Well, I don't want to stay in another hotel. I live in hotels. <laughs> that's not fun. I want to stay home and I want to work. Right. I don't want anybody bothering me. So that's the kind of balance because I got that accomplished. I checked it off that list. There you go. And that project is dealt with ready to go, ready to be delivered. Mm-hmm. But I think that other individuals, not me, need to be able to go on a vacation, have something to look forward to. They need to know that they can get out and hike every day. I don't want to do that. That would give me pain. I don't want to do that. I don't want to run unless somebody's chasing me with a knife, you know, mm-hmm. so but other people, they need that. So for me, the physical balance is, yes, I need to be physically active. But I also, for me, I just need to be able to think and then to sleep. And if I don't get enough sleep, then I'm a horrible person to myself and others. Mm-hmm. So that's the balance for me is no matter how many hours in the day you work, make sure you're getting a tight eight or seven and a half. But don't go on four hours of sleep. You can't be the person that you want to be to, every, to yourself and to others every day. Other people don't feel that way, Lily. They feel like there's these 16 things that they've got to do to balance their lives with their work life. I don't have that opinion. I can say this, and this kind of goes back to that, what advice would you give? You have to do what works for you. So if this balance for you is the vacation once a month or the jogging for an hour every single day, those are the kinds of things that you need to do. Great. If it's somebody else that needs something different, you have to be true to yourself what you know you need. and Or you can listen and pick and choose what works for you. Right. And that's not to say you don't need to try that job. Get out and see what that feels like. And it may take more than once until you know that that's what you need every day. You know, you may need to really try it for a month and go, yeah, you know, I'm a new person. Or that was an hour of my life I can't get back every single day. (laughs) And I've pulled a muscle. So... (laughs) So I just think that that kind of goes hand in hand with balance versus... What's advice that you give? Listen, try, and choose what you know is true to you. Yeah. So we've come to our last question, Christy. I okay. am ready, Miss Lily. So, so if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? Well, this is going to sound so petty, but get your PhD. Don't worry about those other degrees, the other masters that you have. Just go straight for the PhD. And here's why: with that piece of paper, people are opening up doors for you that they will not open up if you don't have those three letters after your name. Mm. So I would have had more experiences, more opportunities in different and various sundry areas of the country that I know I've not been welcome to or open up to because I don't have my PhD. I don't think anybody really cares that I've got a couple of masters. Mm. Um, It's those three little letters. So those logistically. And then the other thing I wish I could go back and say is just stop worrying, you know, and and it feels better now because I do less of it. But if I'd known that, that everything's going to be okay, if I'd known that 15 years ago, I would have had a much more peaceful existence and I probably would have been a better leader and a better colleague for those around me if I had learned to not worry and stay focused on what you can do today. Not everybody's going to want to get their PhD 20 years ago, but everyone ought to hear that it is going to be okay. And you are going to have people around you who understand you, appreciate you and value you. And those are the people that you want to keep close. Well, is there anything that we haven't addressed that you'd like to speak about? 
that was my last, last question. You know, I think that leaders have to find their voice and it is not always on the path that they think that it will be. And that is okay. And I think that leaders need to know that they are not the boss. Um, and I don't really know a better way to say that, but boss doesn't equal leadership, I guess. is The title the doesn't thing. make the leader. Thank you. Perfectly stated. But other than that, I hope that there's something that I said today that resonated with somebody that helps make them say that's right. Yes, yes, yes. I hope that is what will happen or come of this, that it'll be meaningful to somebody who hears this and say, okay, now I'm feeling validated because mm-hmm. <laughs> when I listen to a podcast, that's what I take away is like, I can completely relate and I feel really good about what I heard. Well, I can tell you, Christy, I am very honored and we feel so honored because you added so much value not just to me but to our listeners and yes you are passionate and this will certainly flow through well thank you lily thank you for having me do this with you this was great it was a wonderful experience and i look forward to speaking with you again soon my friend okay thank you hello leaders don't forget to go to masterleadership.org to find out how to get a free coaching session from one of the exceptional leaders that are featured on this podcast. Until next time, bye.